Hi, this is Leslie from Try This at Home. Today, Leslie and I are continuing the conversation we started last week, which is based loosely on the book inspired by Rachel Held Evans. Last week, we talked to you a little bit about our basic beginnings, and today we're digging into the book. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. When your day goes south or your relationship gets salty, you need tools that will turn it around with decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them. Leslie Sleesman and Leslin Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week, their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home. Hey, Leslin. Good morning, Leslie. I'm ready to dive back in. Yes, I, I want to, I'm so anxious to continue this conversation. I think it was really important for us last week to lay the groundwork of what our foundations are and to start the really important and maybe the most poignant element of our conversations is is challenging what we know and asking questions, yeah. making our, you know, creating the opportunity for us to grow. Yeah. So I have an interesting story, and this is actually one of the things that kind of piqued my interest about Rachel Held Evans initially. Mm -hmm. um, when I found this little tidbit out, she's from Dayton, Tennessee, which is where the Scopes Monkey Trial took place. Right, right. And I remember being in, I think it was eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade, where we read Inherit the Wind, which mm -hmm. is the play about the trial. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a part in the play where uh, basically they're they're in court and they're arguing about whether or not the earth was created in seven literal days and he says well what's a day basically and i'm, right. I'm remembering this very loosely so sorry if i'm not you know dead on here but the general point is that what is a day right like yeah, what, what is if, a day what if a day is a million years and i and i remember thinking like wow that is amazing like what a cool way of kind of bridging this gap to where like people that believe the earth is really old are true because science tells us that the earth is right. really old. There are some facts. There that are we some have. facts, mm -hmm. yes. Um, and and the Bible and creation being true. And I remember that leading me to think, well, yeah, that that could totally be the case because we have messed with time in the form of daylight savings, right? Right. So humans mm -hmm. have messed with time. So a day today is probably not exactly a day as it was during creation. And right. I, I haven't thought like super, super deeply about this. Like, but I, I just remember that being the first time where I was like, oh yeah, look at that. Both of them are right. You know, like both yeah. of these groups of people that are very passionate, these um, science people and these religious people are both right. And I, I just thought that was really cool. And it, as I say that, it brings me to the other thing that I kind of have a problem with as a Christian, and that is that sometimes I'm worried 
that if I say that I'm a Christian, that people are going to believe that I don't believe in science. Yeah, I mean, there isn't that crazy. A lot of Christians do take the origin stories quite literally right. and say that you have to go one way or the other. Right. And therein lies the problem with Christianity. <laughs> well, but I don't. I, I mean, not really. Right. 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 From. From my perspective, you know, again, and I'm probably going to say this so many times, so I'm so sorry that I'm being repetitive, but that's one of those things to me where it, I just don't think it matters. Like, I think whether it was created in seven actual 24-hour days or what, a, you know, however long, millions of years, I just, I don't think it matters. I think the point is we have, like, I, I worship a God that created the world. Like, that, to me, that's the more pressing takeaway. Right. So I agree with you completely. I think that if you start and and this, I think what I mean when I say this is the problem with Christianity is that the people who are frustrated with Mm -hmm. Christianity get frustrated about these debates that don't go anywhere. Right. If Mm -hmm. we have hardcore evidence to yes. say the world is X number of years old mm-hmm. and that it was created, you know, based on our understanding of years right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we think about science, yep. the the easiest way to correlate that or to correlate is probably not the right word, but to, uh, to construct that into a faithful belief system mm-hmm. is to look at the Bible as a story, which is exactly what Rachel was trying to say. Right. In her book. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I had highlighted um, in the first chapter says, uh, contrary to what many of us are told, Israel's origin stories weren't designed to answer scientific 21st century questions about the beginning of the universe or the biological evolution of human beings, but rather were meant to answer then pressing ancient questions about the nature of God and God's relationship to creation. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say, I don't, I don't believe necessarily for myself every single thing that Rachel wrote in these books. I I have questions about the things that she wrote too. Um, But what I, uh, you know, she talks about like when she named it, like loving the Bible again, like I was very excited to read these different ways that she looked at something Mm -hmm. and it did make me excited again. So she accomplished her goal in that because not that I was, you know, not that I was disillusioned before, but I I just thought it like gave me fresh eyes, you know, a fresh perspective. And she inspired you yeah, to yeah. reacquaint yourself maybe with some of these ideas. And that's what we're hoping to do is just yeah. really inspire people to think. See, I, my idea of God is an energy, a, a, a collection of particles, if you will, and and not a some kind of outdoor thing. So if I conceptualize God as a physical energy, then this idea that God created all things, that God is all living things, makes perfect sense to me. And then you can sit back and say, okay, based on the laws of physics, indeed... God created the heavens and the earth because the heaven and the earth, they are God. Yeah. I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. If you think of God as something 
that's not personified. I remember one time I was watching The View and Deepak Chopra, um, who is considered kind of a modern day prophet, yeah. and he's a medical doctor. Right. Um, someone said, how do you envision God? And it truly has been one of the most profound things I've ever heard. And he said, well, I don't. I don't mm. envision God. Because to envision God is to limit God. The envisioning part is, in, and what comes to mind when someone says that is Jesus. Because he, he can be envisioned as a man. But God, I, I can see where he would say that. Because, like, what would that even look like? Like, we have no... We have no frame of reference. Well, see, I do because, I mean, I grew up with pictures of the Sistine Chapel in my wow. Bible, right? I had a Catholic Bible. Yeah. And there's pictures of the Sistine Chapel in the, in, in the paintings. There is a personified God. And even if you think about sitting at the right hand of the Father, there's a personification that comes with that in your frame of reference, right? Yeah. And if I say that I'm sit that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, then I'm I'm envisioning two men, and I okay. think that we ha we kind of naturally do that to, th to so that well it makes it I would imagine it makes it easier for some people to understand or to grasp when you're able to envision it that way. I I don't necessarily know that I do, but yeah, I can see how. I can see definitely how people can do that, and I didn't realize I don't know much about the Catholic Church actually. To be totally honest with you. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pictures and, and beautiful yeah. drawings and paintings. And, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is the the oldest Christian-based church, I think, right. in the world. And there's an amazing history there, which captures, captures my um, curiosity a lot in Dan, Dan Brown's books, um, now my mind is going blank and I can't think. Code. Yeah, the Da Vinci Code and the the Angels and Demons, which was actually my favorite of the two. Um, they really center around the Roman Catholic Church and the secrecy and, um, yeah, you know, that dives into that. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, I think that's part of what we're kind of trying to talk about today, and that. We have to, our, our brain automatically goes to these places where we create stories that help us make sense of information as we go along. Yeah, so there, there's something that, um, on, I'm on page 40 in case anyone wants to flip there. Um, she writes, after all, scripture as it, scripture is described as the living word of God, which means it remains animated and active and pulsing with possibility. And that's always something to me that has made a lot of sense with the stories because it's an amazing piece of, of work that is, I believe that it's as relevant today as it was the day that it, you know, these people wrote these different books. And that takes, you know, that takes a special kind of writing to accomplish that as long as you don't take it literally because we're not going to be sacrificing goats well right and that's that's part of what i think the people well first of all the people in our culture today that take parts of it literally are very selective they're willing to you know pick and choose which parts they want to 
adhere to and be literal with and then completely ignore the other parts and that's I think that's when we get into some trouble and and that's really to be honest if you're trying to shoot holes in someone's argument that's a really easy way to do it but I mean for me I think everyone would be better off if we looked at the lessons and the stories and said what are we supposed to learn from this right and and got that part of it instead of trying to you know nitpick these little things because I I don't think that's what it was meant for (laughs) right and so I find it what I think I find most refreshing about her book is just that right that she really seeks to understand what could something mean? I mean, she says that you can bend scripture, and this is a quote, you can bend scripture to say just about anything you want it to say. As a matter of, mm-hmm. you can bend it until it breaks. And for those who count the Bible as sacred, interpretation is not a matter of whether to pick and choose, but to how to pick and choose. We're all selective, right? We, right. Yep. You and I talk a lot with our science background about confirmation theory. Um Going back to Rachel, she says, we all wrestle with how to interpret and apply the Bible to our lives. We all go to the text looking for something, and we all have a tendency to find it. Yeah. To to piggyback on it, I think you might be reading from, like, the same place that I am, which <laughs> obviously we both found this very relevant. Um, she says, the fact that a single biblical text can mean many things doesn't mean that it can mean anything. And that's, that's on your line. Like, you'll get what you want out of it if you're willing to bend it far enough. Right. And I don't think that's what a living, breathing text was meant for. Like here, manipulate this however you want it to justify just about anything you want. I mean, that to me, that doesn't, that is not loving. That's not Christ-like. Right. Um, She then goes to say that, um, you know, throughout history, she points out like how slave traders justified, um, you know, the exploitation of black people by claiming that there was a curse on Noah's son. It rendered, you know, Africans subhuman, that Puritans and pioneers appealed to the stories of Joshua's conquest of Canaan to support attacks on indigenous populations. And more recently, she says, I've heard Christian shrug off sins committed by American politicians because King David assaulted women too. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime, and this is her words, anytime the Bible is used to justify the oppression and exploitation of others, we have strayed far from a God who brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Right, because God is love. Every world religion says God is love. And those things Mm -hmm. are not loving. No, they're not loving. I cannot personally subscribe to any religious body that doesn't act lovingly. Right. Well, it's commanded many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Love your neighbors yourself. I mean, it's right. over and over and over and over again. Right. You know, that's what people are called to do. But yet, you know, uh, if you're a Republican, I mean, I think there was a statistic like, what, 80% of evangelicals supported President Trump in the last election or something like that. They defend him constantly. It's okay that a president says that he grabs women by the pussy. I mean, that's, that's <clears throat> shrugged. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Were you Sorry, clearing your throat or choking? Throat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm choking. Uh, um, you know, that is not loving. You know, 
and and to just say, to, and to use the Bible like yeah. to use the Bible as a justification for that is, in my opinion, disgusting, and I'm, and it's not godly. I I couldn't agree more, but I I will tell you that I have these. Um, I I feel I'm feeling the need to. Um, I'm feeling the need to defend. I can hear my, one of my best friends is a devout Christian mm-hmm. and a Republican. Mm-hmm. And she does not support the behavior of our oh, president. Sure. Yeah, there are, right? there, you're right. There are many, many people that absolutely do not. And, and so, that, and that vote that way for, for other reasons. Right. And absolutely. I want to make it really clear to anybody who's listening that yeah. we're not Republican hating no. here. Um, that's not the goal. I mean, I, I, I really do try to respect every viewpoint. I just feel very strongly that not engaged, not engaging life or people in a loving way doesn't sound like Christianity to me. So it's very hard when you see someone who's unloving mm-hmm. in their words and actions right um it's hard to you know in their in their saying i'm a christian right it's really hard to not to jump on that because we tell ourselves a story right we're talking about how rachel says the bible is a story and we just the way you know when we talked about communication a few weeks ago we talked about how we hear something we interpret it. We tell ourselves a story based on our life experience. Yep. And we automatically just in the split nanosecond, right? Because of those neural pathways that <laughs> right? we formed. Yeah. We interpret things in in a way that makes sense to us. We take all this information in and we create a story about it so that it makes sense. Right. And really what we're what we're really talking about so much right now is making sure that we're challenging those assumptions that we jump to that we're challenging the stories that happen in our head yeah whether it's about the bible and in this case we're really saying that about religion right in our in our faithful belief systems we're we're suggesting that you sit back and you challenge the story that you've created in your mind about the stories that you've read or been told or heard. And the ultimate goal, I think, of talking about this is to make people more loving. Whether whether you... Hey, we have an angels. We We can use the angels. Okay, here, I'm inserting it right now. Okay, there we go. There's our sound effect. Is that awesome? Yeah. Congratulations for finding that. I know. Well, (laughs) but... um, whether or not you believe in God, believe in the Bible, believe in another form of religion, um, you're Buddhist, whatever, the goal is just to be more loving and willing to view other people's beliefs uh, with love. love and with respect Compassion. and show, you know, give them dignity. Because they ha- they're looking at it through a different lens than you are. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of times, you know, when 
and and this is probably like m- my own stuff that I need to work through. But there's people who view me as being, you know, ignorant because I'm trying to be kind when people don't deserve it. Oh, you're too nice. You know, I hear that a lot. And it's not, I'm not saying like, oh, look at how great I am. People say I'm too nice. No, I'm like saying it's like actually like an insult. <laughs> people um, think it's, it, it's, it almost feels to me like when someone says that to me that they're, they're basically saying you're, you're having the wrong response to that. Oh, you right? think people are insulting you when yes. they say you're too nice. Yes. Huh? Uh, yes. Or like I'm being a pushover or I'm stupid or I'm not understanding why I should be, you know, nicer or whatever. And, you know, that's something that I have to work through, but I feel kind of similarly when people bring up religion. Yeah, like they'll rope me in mm. with a group that I'm not comfortable being roped into. I see. And and I think that's just because people don't and, – and maybe that's just our collective way of like trying to make sense of information mm-hmm. and groups and things. But mm-hmm. um, for me, it's uncomfortable in this context just because there's <laughs> a lot of – really crazy things going on in our world and we're associated you know with that like if you're a christian you don't believe in science or you don't believe um in gay marriage or you don't believe you know like there's a lot of like really hateful things happening that i think are assumptions placed on christians so and that really is at the crux of this entire what we're talking about today right this idea that we classify so you're talking about people classifying you right and pigeonholing you into a category that that they need to for the story for in their mind to make sense right yeah that there's this nice little box that everything fits into right right. and and that's our human nature Right. right and i think it's so important to understand that it's our nature to go to this space where we're telling ourselves a story and we can easily classify something mm-hmm. so that it makes sense. Last week we or two weeks ago we talked about this neural pathway and how our brain looks for efficiency, right? Right. That this is the same thing going on no matter sure. what we're talking about. We're yeah. So you say I'm pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And the minute you say that, our brain here is pro-choice. It has this... It makes a ton of assumptions. Yeah, yeah. it has right. this already pre-kind of determined pathway into classifying what how that um, right. conceptualizes you. Yes. And then we stop asking questions. Yeah, and it's, it's all compounded by the fact that... Uh, and maybe I'm just slow <laughs> in this regard, but... I don't even 100% know where I stand on a lot of issues. I'm, I think part of that is uh, just maybe part of that is good, just being accepting and saying, well, you know, there's a lot of room for interpretation, right? And, but some of it, I just, I, I just truthfully don't know. I can see both sides. And so I don't want to be placed into a box because I'm not sure that that's the right box for me. But maybe we're maybe we just don't even need boxes, you know. And we don't. I, that's I. I wish people would. That's what I wish people do. I wish they would challenge those preconceived notions. I um, this happened to me yesterday. I'm friends with someone on Facebook and in real life, and I don't know this person super super well, but they're gay, um, and they were commenting on Facebook yesterday about like being upset 
and I swear this is not like a Trump bashing party, but they were just upset with like the way that he came out with his reelection campaign and that there was nothing in them for them because they're a swing voter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, that's weird. A gay person's not li- like liberal. <laughs> like, what if- I'm sitting here complaining about like people putting me in a box, but I do it too. We, I'm telling you, yeah. we all do it. Right. It is the nature of our humanness right. to try to make sense of the world right. by classifying and compartmentalizing. Yeah. You know, Rachel, uh, and I don't know what book this or what page this is on, but she says, Bible stories don't have to mean just one thing, despite what you may have heard from a pastor or a Sunday school teacher along the way. Faithful engagement with scripture isn't about uncovering a single moralistic point to every text and then sticking to it. And here's the most important line, I think. Rather, the very nature of the biblical text invites us to consider the possibilities. Yeah. She also says, um, what if the Bible is just fine the way it is? Not the well-behaved, everything is in order version we create, but the messy, troubling, weird, and ancient Bible that we actually have. Yeah. And and so just being able to, to take this story, this collection of stories from people who have interpreted based on the a collection of facts their understanding of the facts at that point in time yeah right and this ever evolving living breathing word <laughs> right, right? right. I, ta- I i take that at heart it, it right but it's the minute we begin to take it literally I think that's where we get into big trouble. Yeah. And one of the things that this did for me, and I don't know, I in high school I was in journalism, and I was a journalism major for one year, my one year in real college. And uh, so I questioned things. Like, I'm, you know, I'm always that's in good. my mind, mm-hmm. like, questioning things. But this book really made me question things. And it, it didn't, you know, I was very quick to, like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm going to figure it out for myself. Like, you know, like, I'm going to find out, I'm going to read the text that she quoted and find out, like, you know, what was Peter N's book about? You know, I'm going to go read that now. Um, And it made me realize, like, how little I actually know. And I want to know more. So I'm going to do something about it. And I think that that curiosity is always good, no matter what it is. Absolutely. Be curious. How many times have you watched a child... When you say that candle is hot and they touch it anyway. Yeah. Because they have to, can, yeah. you know, they have to make sure for themselves. So they have to validate yeah. what you said for themselves. And I think that's great. If, you know, if, if after investigating and considering possibilities and diving into something, you come back to the same conclusions, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that that was, you know, what was so refreshing. And I, I don't remember if I said this last time, but I just really love how she completely embraced her questioning. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I I have questioned this thing and I've circled back around and I've questioned it and circled back around. And she's like, in the end, this is a story worth being wrong for. Mm-hmm. I believe this is a story worth being wrong for. And she also had said, and I think this might have been in a podcast, I went on a little uh, Rachel Huddleston's podcast binge mm-hmm. after I discovered her, um, and 
she was saying that, you know, she just has come to understand that this questioning is just going to be with her forever. Mm -hmm. It's just a companion and it's going to live with her, you know, until, until she dies, which tragically was like way too soon. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so heartbroken now because I really, really, really would have loved to have seen what else she came up with. You know, the way I look at it though, I imagine we are simply one of the conversations that have been initiated by her work. And she left behind several books Mm -hmm. that demonstrate her kind of quest. Right. Or, and if maybe, maybe if we talk about just all of the, you know, God's plan and, and the way she died was so quick and, and kind of accidental, right? Who's right. who's to say that the whole point of her existence was to initiate or inspire? I don't know that it's an accident that her last book was called Inspired. Right. Um, I was just, I, I went to my computer while you were talking mm-hmm. and I was going to search. Um, I know there was like a hashtag going around the internet called Because of RHE. And, and it was people, like, talking about ways that she inspired them. And now there's a website. And I, I just landed on it. And it's um, because of com. And, I again, I literally just saw this, like, five seconds ago. So <laughs> it seems to be a bunch of articles of people who are talking about the ways that she helped them. And how, you know, people that thought that they couldn't be loved by the church read her work and went back or found their faith again because they realized that, you know, the narrow definition that they were given maybe isn't the truth. Or maybe it's not that it's, quote unquote, the truth, but it's just, it's not the perspective that they buy into, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, to me, it seems like we, at least I, you know, I believe a great deal in a personal relationship with Jesus. And so Nobody can take that away from me. Right. So the, the institution of the church just simply can't take it away from me ever. And we're going to continue that conversation. So um, next week when we t- um, come back to this conversation, I think it'll be important to really share this whole idea about Jesus and the relationship that Christians and even people who don't necessarily consider themselves Christian by definition – still have to acknowledge that Jesus was a human being who walked the earth. Yeah, and we'll, history and science tell us that, yeah. That's right. So we'll have that conversation next week. Uh, again, our Try This at Home is to embrace challenging ideas and conversations. So to broaden your horizons and build upon what you already know, really pay attention to the stories that you tell yourself and specifically in relationship to this week about faith. Yeah, and, and try to recognize your own bias towards your your thoughts, your own confirmation bias, and to seek out different sources. Absolutely. I You know, in confirmation bias, for those of you who are, don't have a science background, is essentially our tendency to only pay attention to the facts that confirm our opinion. And it's a phenomena that happens over and over again. And researchers are specifically guided to address that by the requirement of bringing in different points of view or different 
research results into their work. Yeah. And so that's our discussion for today. We hope that you'll share this with people that you love. And as always, we are super, super grateful that you took the time to listen. Next week, we're going to be continuing this discussion with a focus on how Rachel views the Gospels and Jesus's time on earth. And we hope that you'll join us. If you have any questions or comments, we hope that you'll reach out to us on our website, www.trythisathomepodcast.com, where you can subscribe to our podcast, both on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a few other lesser known options there. And if you're so inclined, we would love a rating and a review so that people will know what you think. For now, this is Leslie and Les Lynn, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.